Dante loves pivotal and transitional moments. He's always alert to them in the Divine Comedy. He may see them in the skies and the stars, the moment when the full moon and the setting sun are balanced on opposite sides of the horizon so that the whole celestial dome can seem like a scale about to turn. It may be in those moments of new birth, particularly in the Christian story, new birth of the child, new birth of life from death. He is aware in those moments that something outside of himself, in what we would now call the natural world or in mythological reality, can be aligned with and so help our pivots, our transitions. It's as if the wider world around us is inviting us to share its energy and so step into a new understanding of being, a new way of life that of course is the journey across the Inferno, the Purgatorio and the Paradiso. And Dante has guides and aids to help him embrace these moments of transition and change. I'm not in this instance thinking about his personal guides like Virgil, like Beatrice and the others who join him on the way, but more the guides that he weaves into his account. These are the guides of myth, of dream and of the angels. Myth, dream and of the angels. Consider the angels first. They're in a way the most impersonal guides, although they are creatures like human beings. The difference being that they follow the divine will and love God unalloyed. They're not fallen. They do so instinctively. And they appear to Dante in pivotal moments, transitional moments, in all three of the canticles. The most dramatic, perhaps, in the Inferno is when he and Virgil are stuck outside the walls of Dis. And Virgil thinks he can get through the gates, but can't. But then an angel appears, and it appears like a storm coming across the brackish water. And it mocks the demons that have been mocking Virgil and Dante. The doors just fall open before its presence. And then it disappears almost as quickly as it had arrived. Not acknowledging Virgil and Dante, in fact, but solely focused on the divine will. And perhaps that's one of the reasons why angels can be fearsome and seem terrible, particularly when they're following God's purposes in places that don't understand God's purposes, um, and so then can seem as if they're at odds with the prevailing ethos, but actually are cutting through that with their focus, with their purpose to bring about a change, a transition. Angels in the Purgatorio are still fearsome, but they're understood now to be working with this deeper unfolding. So, for example, an angel appears to Dante at the end of each of the seven terraces that he spends time on. And the angel there, with both a touch and also some directions, the touch indicates that he has learnt something 
on the terrace and so is more in touch with the divine which the angel is directly and then the guidance is directions often onto the next terrace how to keep going on this great return towards God because angels too always and without hesitancy pursue what God's calling is directing them to do and then the angels are present in the paradiso as well in myriad quantities here seen as they truly are which is the living intelligences that mediate the divine love throughout the whole of creation they are the reality that is for example reduced in modern science into abstract laws but Dante sees now how the whole of creation is God's emanation and unfolding, returning back to God. And so all those seeming forces, all those various energies are now seen as living beings, as angels, because the whole of creation is part of the divine life. So I think Dante is saying, be on the lookout for that presence which carries wisdom. It might be an angel, and even if it's fearsome, it might be indicating how you are on the way back to God. Angels appear in the Christian story at Christmas, particularly when the wise men, when Joseph, when Mary receive news, receive guidance, being warned in dreams. And so that takes us to the second of Dante's guides which are dreams he has three dreams in the divine comedy and although they all occur in the purgatorio in that one canticle they mark three elements of dante's transformation again the first dream on the first night in purgatory is a nightmare for dante he thinks it reveals the darkness of his soul he dreams of a rape and when he awakes he's ashamed but Virgil tells him that actually Lucy had appeared and in the night had carried him further up the mountain and so had been an aid. And this introduces another way in which we can try and understand these guidances by wrestling with them, by struggling with them, not rejecting them because we don't like what they say, but trusting that even if it brings us to shame, there may be something that can seed a transformation in that. And in fact, unconsciously, unwittingly, while we're asleep, not yet awake, something else, another dynamic, may well be at work. Lucy carrying Dante out of love whilst he's dreaming of the perverse, possessive kind of love that manifests in his fantasy of rape. The second dream on the second night of purgatory is a mix and this shows that things are beginning to change as Dante is able to absorb the imagery and the feelings of the dream. He dreams again of lust and imagines the siren before him and following the siren's call onto the rocks that would dash him. That's how powerful the lust is. But at the same time, towards the end of the dream, appears the Virgin Mary and she speaks to him, blesses him, saves him from that fate in the dream. So Dante's now able to receive two 
aspects of his psyche in the dream, the dark and the light, the bad and the good, and have them coexist inside him. And so this is a dream that is pivotal, and that, again, by staying with it, he's downcast when he wakes, but he's not devastated as he was before, and they push on on their journey. And then that leads to the third dream on the third night, which is a beautiful dream. He dreams of two women again, and one woman is enjoying nature, the world around her. The other woman is enjoying her own beauty. And so Dante, I think, in this third dream, is now able, at least in this unconscious state, to stay with that which is good, beautiful and true. Know that as the guide. Put his faith and trust in that. And so in his waking hours, able to labour, to keep aligned with what's good, beautiful and true, which is what happens after he awakes. So dreams, too, are another really crucial guidance that comes to us every day, in fact, or every night. And, of course, you can get better and better at remembering dreams, working with dreams, writing them out, holding them in your mind. It's very remarkable how they keep revealing deeper insights, patterns that can only be communicated with the felt image because it's about these connections and links being made not only in your own psyche but also with the inner life of the world around as well. So dreams too are really important for Dante but dreams often work by bringing in that which is more than just our own experience, more than just the incidents or encounters of the previous day, but can carry mythological qualities as well. That which Jung called aspects of the collective unconscious or the archetypes, those great stories, personalities, heroes, demons that our culture works with and that we've therefore absorbed too. And myths therefore are a third facet of Dante's store of guidance that works with him throughout the Divine Comedy. Just to take one myth that actually runs across all three cantos, and that's the myth of Ulysses, the Latinized version of the name Odysseus. And it's the story of Odysseus's wandering across the Mediterranean after the Homeric War and how he finds his way ultimately back home. But Dante adds something to Homer's account of this story when he says that Ulysses still felt restless once he'd returned home and so persuaded his companions to go on a final vo voyage. And this time the voyage was going to take them beyond the Pillars of Hercules through the Straits of Gibraltar. And then they turned south and kept going day after day, month after month, until they came to a great mountain. And this is the great mountain that Dante's able to climb, the mountain of Mount Purgatory. But Ulysses, in Dante's story, has arrived too soon. And so a great whirlpool consumes the ship and drags him and his sailors down and takes Ulysses to the place that Dante actually first encounters him in the Inferno, low down in the place called Malabolgia, where Ulysses is in a flame. And the flame is very interesting because the flame at first looks quite beautiful. 
And I think that's really important. But then Dante sees it's a flame of burning and he speaks to Ulysses there. And what I think he is facing in this myth in himself is the restlessness that has led him on this great journey. And at that moment seems to be a huge mistake in the depths of hell. Are they ever going to find a way out of it? And so Dante is able to relate to the myth, not just as an ancient story as one, but as one that's alive in him, because he's like Ulysses. He too wants to travel beyond the Pillars of Hercules into unknown places. And that's why he meets Ulysses again. Um, Ulysses is actually mentioned in the second dream, because of course it was the sirens that tried to lure Ulysses onto the rocks. And Ulysses now, though, is present to Dante in this moment of change. He's beginning to understand his desire and realise that whilst it can carry lust and lead him astray, there's also something really valuable in it if he can discern how that lust might become love and in particular submit to the divine love and so be carried by a love that's greater than his own, the thing that Ulysses in Dante's telling of the story at least wasn't able to do. He awoke to the love within him but thought that was all he needed and so used it to persuade the others when really what he needed to do was realise how his love was just a facet of the divine love and that a crucial part of making these great journeys back to God even is to become clearer, more conscious about how the true love is drawing you, reflected in your own inner love. And so you can let go and let in more and more of that wider desire, that greater devotion. And this becomes completely clear for Dante when he hears the name of Ulysses the third time, this time in the Paradiso. And it's when he meets the Aboriginal human, Adam, in the Paradiso that Ulysses is again uttered. And Adam, in effect, says that his great mistake was the same mistake as Ulysses in the Garden of Eden. He longed to know what the tree in the garden might reveal, might give to him. But Adam explains now to Dante that the great sin of the fall, as it's often put, was not in fact eating from the tree itself. Rather, it was eating too soon. He overstepped God's boundary, which was there for his own good, so that he would have the time to be able to really take in the fruit from the tree, so that he would understand what he was imbibing and it could become part of himself. And that is what has happened now after the fall. It has been a tortuous, agonising, suffering journey when in some ways it needn't have been. But as Beatrice says to Dante as well, in a way all that darkness was a digression, the word she uses, because ultimately it was only going to lead us to the light. Our love ultimately cannot let us down, although it can lead us terribly astray. And so this is why Ulysses, I think, comes to Dante's mind again. He's finally understood the mistake of Ulysses, even whilst he understands the desire of Ulysses, and can now embrace the divine love, the divine life,
knowing that it's not his own, but actually takes him back to the source of his own love, his own desire. So angels, dreams and myths are crucial to Dante. They each help him over another threshold through a process of transition. And at the times of the year when the skies and the seasons are changing and at the times of the year when the great stories are told or in the darkness we dream dreams and maybe feel living presences, they're worth absorbing, staying with, not because we understand them immediately, that in a way is the whole point, by wrestling with what they're trying to communicate we can be changed and so step into the wider life from whence angels, dreams and myths come. <laughs>